Okay, so um, here we are, episode 10. Uh, we made it to episode 10. <laughs> Who'd have thought it? Um, <laughs> so I guess we should start, as usual, with some updates on what's been happening with the site. Actually, there's, there's less been happening over the last couple of weeks. Um, there's been a few behind-the-scenes changes to various bits of build infrastructure and, and, and documentation generating. Uh, but I think the only visible change on the site since the last time we talked is um, uh, a change that went live last night, I believe, uh, which is that the uh, homepage got a little bit of an update last night uh, with um, the community sponsors um, are now bringing in, um, we're now bringing in the avatars of uh, 14 community sponsors onto the homepage. So if you are a Swift Package Index uh, GitHub sponsor, First of all, thank you very much. We appreciate uh, we appreciate it very much. Uh, but secondly, you may spot your face on the homepage <laughs> uh, as you next time you visit the site. Um, so that's just a, it's not a, a huge change, but it's a bit of uh, a bit of fun and a, a bit of a way to say thank you to the people who are supporting us. Yeah, yeah, I think that looks that looks really nice. Um, there there was another small thing we took live has been actually deployed for a while, but it was behind a feature flag. That's the binary targets um, uh, display. That's true. Package page. I went live this morning, yeah. Yeah. And there's there's perhaps something to discuss. I'm not sure if you want to you know, do that now or in the discussion. I think you might not have seen Marco's tweet just a moment ago. Oh. So Marco's got a Swift format plugin, um, and he's, uh, which now he's using uh, Nick's um, um, uh, Swift format um package under the hood and he's using the binary version of that which he's embedding in his plugin and now he's questioning whether you know the big warning um i see it is is appropriate for that and i kind of think it sort of is right because a plugin is is potentially even easier to mess around with your so yeah I, I with your project have... right so i think it's a good thing to to see i definitely have some views on this where I, I i went back and forward on the design of the, uh, the 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 copy and the the icon there, um, and I should just be very clear that the person who did the absolute vast majority of this work uh, for this feature was Sam Dean. Um, but I did I was involved in the layout and the the icon uh, of of how it got displayed and, and the wording and stuff. Um, and yeah, I went back and forth on it a lot of times, and I didn't want it to be. I didn't want it to feel like it was necessarily a negative thing because it's not necessarily a negative thing it's just something you should be aware of and i think the thing that makes it feel negative is the fact that the exclamation mark is orange <laughs> um <laughs> now that was very deliberately not red um because it's it's not something that should stop you but feel maybe a little bit harsh um but also i don't think it would be i don't think it would be correct for it to be green maybe a maybe a blue or something like that might be information how about the Sorry, how about the Xcode, um, you know, the hint purple? The Xcode hint purple. I'm not sure which purple that is. You know, when you have, when you turn on TSAN or something like that. Oh, okay. Because you, uh, warn, you know, warnings, but, you know, like, um, yeah. you know, you, I'm not sure what, what an ex good example would be. Yeah, that might work. Um, and, and a blue you know, threat safety well, warnings. Uh, because a blue yeah. is kind of informational rather than uh, warning. But I, I was very careful with the... The, the wording like it, it, it only may include sorry may not be available the source code um and then we point people to the readme or the the, the the license so i think i don't know i don't think I, I don't think i want to remove the thing if it's only got a plug-in because i do think it's 
important information to know. And that's all it is. It's just purely informational uh, and informational uh, display. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it makes any difference whether it's a plugin or, or a straight up package because both can have effect on your on your deploy on your deployment, right? On your deployed product, you know, both both are avenues to influence what you're building, what you're producing. So I don't think that that makes a difference necessarily. Um, I have been wondering why Marco chose that path because now he has to update the plugin every time there's a there's a change in the format. Um, plugin, right? Because it's not built, so it doesn't automatically increase the bump up the versions. But um, that's something to discuss offline and in the in our discussion forums and, and pull them in and, and see what the what the thoughts are. Yes, uh, we should also um, uh, send a link to this. Uh, oh, actually, I haven't checked for the recording. Yes, we are recording. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we should <laughs> a link uh, to the recording first as well, uh, because since we talked about it, um, yeah. Yes, it doesn't necessarily need to be. That plugin doesn't necessarily need to have a binary um, target, does it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it's a bit faster to to run it, I suppose, because you don't need to build. But then again, you know, you build it once. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, there's maybe one other thing we can mention with respect to news, um, which is some fixes around the build system. Uh, this has been a longer standing for a while now. We've had um, cases where, especially when a build failed, that the the build command wasn't displayed that we actually ran, which is it's, it's exactly the scenario when, when you'd want to know what the command is. Almost, in fact, the um, only scenario you'd want to know what it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's fixed now. That should always display now. Uh, and we also had issues around displaying the, com the build logs um, for Linux builds. And that is also fixed now. So this should make it a lot easier for for authors to check up why their Linux builds aren't passing. Yeah. Um, so that was, was quite a bit of work, but it, it should all be sorted now. It's funny that um, a feature like that is is almost invisible to everybody who's using the site, because not only is it a fairly subtle change, even when you make it to a build log page, but the amount of people who actually make it to a build log page is really small. So yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, it's worth doing because when you need it, you'd really need it. But it's it's uh, it's one of those changes that would be completely lost uh, if we didn't uh, talk about it on something like this. Yeah, and it's also a very it's a very good thing to have because most of the time it's really easy to see why your Linux build is failing. Yeah, um, you know, typically uh, OS level dependencies aren't there. Um, like OpenSSL, uh, SQLite. Um, there, there are some changes around this. So if your package is Linux compatible or, or would be, and you're lacking dependencies, give a shout. We've made some changes to make it to make different base images available with some packages pre-installed, um, and we might roll that out by default as well. So if there's demand, let us know. We have a much easier process in place now to to actually make that possible. And we have a couple of packages that made it um, that actually using it now, uh, and also successfully building now, which didn't before. So this is all a, a package of, of uh, quite a bit of work that went into the into the Linux builds. Uh, and it may be worth just talking a little bit about the um, the process that that we we went through in the last couple of weeks on on that. I think we originally thought when we rolled out this build system that people might build their own Docker based images too. If they if they if you have a package that has some kind of uh, requirement for maybe OpenSSL or something like that on the machine. Um, we thought that maybe people would build their own Docker images. We could then bless those Docker images as, as like safe for building, and then we could build using those. 
and in fact that came up uh, within the last couple of weeks for um, for, for a package, uh, I, I forget which package it was, uh, but but that came up. Uh, it was Stack Otter who who uh, brought that up um, as they they wanted to um, they wanted to put in uh, a custom image, but it's more than just a custom image. It's actually potentially four or five custom images because you need a custom image for each version of Swift that we build with, and that becomes quite a big task very quickly. Um, and so I think and and Sven, did the work on this that um, what we're leaning towards now is that we will create a slightly tweaked base image that includes some of these common dependencies. And if that includes some dependencies that are, that some packages don't need, then that's kind of okay. Um, and we'll put some uh, dependencies in there means that if, if, if packages do crop up that have requirements like this, it's a little easier for people to get them building with the package index. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think they, early on we hesitated because we didn't want to run into issues with dependencies. But the only real problem there is if if they're conflicting, right? If there's two Linux package dependencies that that can't be installed at the same time, and then we could still create a separate image. And I think us creating them is just easier because we we now have a a automatic build thing set up that that builds a matrix for all our supported Swift versions, and it's really as easy as extending a, an app get install command, and and you know plug in some, uh, put in some extra packages in there and that should be all right. Um, and so, yeah, people can just use that base image. And as I said, we might even switch away from the plain Swift 5.6 image that we're using right now and, mm -hmm. and switch to those by default. And, and that would probably solve quite a lot of issues. Yeah. Um, people have. Of course, right. there is, that there was is that. the argument of, of like, well, at the point where you're putting too much stuff in that base image, is that a realistic um, yeah. environment for people to actually who are yeah. actually going to use the package? But I think there's a balance to be found there, and yeah. I think we'll I think we'll find it. Um, the last thing that, that I'll just mention before we move on from package index stuff is um, uh, I noticed the other day that we are super close to five thousand packages. <laughs> um, yeah, we're at four nine been dragging the number four nine fifty seven uh, as we speak. Um, so I wonder if that will hit five thousand before the next uh, episode of uh, indexing. What was the number? The actual number? Four nine fifty seven. Yeah, that's probably going to be it. We we're getting about twenty to thirty a week. So um, yeah. Ah, oh, damn! That could have been a quiz question. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we also, I noticed you tweeted this on the package index account. We also had two thousand merged pull requests. Uh, I believe. Yes, GitHub does this weird thing that it tracks the combined yeah. number of issues and and PRs. So we have. 2,000 things closed, which is a sum of, of issues and PRs. That's true. Um, I, I, it's, I'm not sure if it's half and half, but it certainly is a, was a nice round number that needed a shout out. Yeah, yeah. there we go. So there we go, updates on the package index. Yeah, um, I'm wondering actually, are we legally required to make product predictions if we're recording a week prior to an Apple event or is that all right? Can we do audio recordings without it? I think we're allowed to do uh, audio recordings without making predictions, yeah. Okay, excellent. Because I was wondering if, if I need to sort of, you know, the Swift five seven with the new wide angle compiler is going to be this next week. <laughs> no, it's it's all you're going to have to do as of next week is describe your um, application in a few sentences that get plugged into a, uh, a code generator, and then the app will fall out the other end. Right, like the thing. Or, or a, a GPT three or a, a Dolly or whatever it's called. <laughs> 
as the Xcode edition with variadic cer ceramics. That's going to be the hit. There we go. <laughs> All right. Um, those were my two predictions. There you go. Okay. Check. Um, so I, I don't have a whole lot of quiz this week. Um, I gave a, um, I called for some questions, but none came back. So I think we might, we might have, have a little here. Quiz? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think we might we might have. Um, I've got a couple for you if you're if you're up for them. Of course, always. So there's the first one isn't SQL. It's it's about um, analytics and just to calm people's um, minds, we, we're not tracking um, anything really. We we're using Plausible to to uh, run analytics on the site, um, and they are cookie free. So what this what these numbers are is what they are tracking, um, and, and obviously that comes with errors and stuff. Just that, just as a as a um, preface to the question. So this is the last thirty days. What do you think are the most um, unique visitors by country? Like the top five? I, I, I suppose the first one is easy to guess, but it's actually quite interesting what the the runner-ups are and the percentages. Interesting. This is a question that I know better from iOS Dev Weekly. Um, uh, because it's a it's a question that some sponsors usually um, uh, ask. Um, so I would I, my my answers are going to be influenced quite heavily by by seeing that for many many years. Um, I would predict it is US number one. It's mm -hmm. Fairly obvious. What's how how large a percentage do you think? Um, thirty five percent. Interesting. It's twenty five. Twenty five. Okay. Close, but but quite a bit lower. Yeah. Um, and I, if I hadn't, if I, if I wasn't aware of the iOS the weekly numbers, I would have, I would have much higher because I'm always surprised how low I'm at thirty five ish percent on <laughs> iOS the weekly. But what it does show yeah. is it shows just how you know we we truly do live in a global, uh, um, you know, we truly do operate in a global industry. Um, yeah. Number two, um, UK. Uh, no. Okay. Then, I give you. Yeah. Then let me guess again. I, I would say number two is going to be Germany. No. Okay. And they, I love these stats. They're so interesting because they are. They're exactly. They are, I I'd have guessed the same pretty much. And um, it's it's actually India. Seven percent India. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Yeah. They, and this is this is not just the last thirty days. They've been they've been second for a while now. Um, so uh, shall I spill the beans a bit because you guessed the others. Germany, UK are the runners-up. Seven percent, six percent, five percent. Those are the two, three, four. What do you think the the last spot is in the top five? Top five, I would say, yeah. is it China? No, okay. and this is probably because ah. I suspect VPNs are, yes. are sort of interfering with that number. It is actually Japan at four percent, and these are really, these are really, yeah, they're, these are really close together. And there's a really, really long tail. So lots of countries with of very similar counts and I, I found that really interesting that you know obviously us is, is um, quite a quite a difference but there's lots of countries that are have a really you know a similar share that's quite interesting it's interesting because um i wonder if uh, so so the reason i guess those three three countries us uh, uk germany is because those are very consistently the top countries in for iOS of uh, weekly um and i wonder if um, so India is definitely there on iOS Dev Weekly, but it's it's lower. Um, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh um, on iOS Dev Weekly. But I wonder if if the package index is a little more global because it's not it's not so much about the English language writing; it's more of a utility yeah. thing than than uh, than the newsletter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's what I would have guessed as well. Um, 
And what's really interesting, so I'm going to ask you two other variants of this same question, is that by region and by city? And, and I'm asking these because the results are interesting, different in interesting ways, I find at least. So if you had to guess what the top five regions are, and regions are like, you know, within a regions within countries, um, like US states or, mm -hmm. you know, Scotland, Wales, um, England, or how many you have over there. <laughs> and then, you know, regions within... Um, other countries what's what's your guess what's the the top one is probably guessable so this is this the other's is probably not as a percentage of total traffic like um yes okay all right so so i would guess bay area or however they classify that san francisco yeah, yeah california would be number one california yeah and that's what what's what's your feeling for the percentage oh um two percent Oh, okay. It's actually higher, 6.6%. Okay, all right. That's higher yeah. than I expected, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, New York, next? Nope. Okay. Um, not on the list. Not Give on you the a list. couple more. Um, not, on the, not in the top five, no. Uh, how about... How about London? Because I've got quite a concentration in London. Well, London wouldn't be the region... Oh, but you're right. It's, it's yeah. England, actually. Yeah, it's England, actually. Oh, okay. I would hold London, London, because that's in the city breakdown later on. Um, I, mean, <laughs> I guess, I guess, all of that is is potentially well, not actually. No, but England as a whole is second. I'll I'll spill the beans mm -hmm. on the rest because they're they're probably unguessable. The third one is interesting for my point of view. It's it's Hessen or Hesse, as you probably call it in English, which is the region uh, in central Germany. is actually my home region. Uh, Two point five percent. And I'll, I'll make a guess later on why that probably is. The fourth one is Tokyo. Okay. And here it's interesting. They, uh, in this case, it's actually the city as as the region. And the, the fifth one is Texas. And I suppose that's mainly, I guess, Houston is, is I think, a bit of a tech hub there. So I found those interesting. Austin. That Austin quite too. different. Oh, Austin, yeah. yeah. I think they're quite different from the country breakdown. Yes. So there you go. And these are all... These are all, you know, 2.5%, 2.4%, 2.3% are the last three. So then you have a long, long tail of regions with um, just 2 and 3%. Now, cities, what do you think is the top city? And that was really surprising to me. So San Francisco, I would say. Or No, no not okay. on the list. Not on the list. No. <laughs> not in the top five. Is there, is there a Californian city in the top five? It, there is not. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's okay. That's surprising. Then, then London. London is in the list. You want to guess what what place it has in the list? It's, it's clearly not number one then. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, let's go with third. No, it's second actually. Second. Okay, <laughs> okay. Um, how is, I'm amazed that um, there's no Californian cities in there. Yeah, it's interesting. There's there's just one U.S. city in the top five. It has to be New York. Then has to be. It, yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, how about, um, so Germany was quite high, or maybe Mumbai? Exactly, yeah. Ah, that's okay. A great guess there. I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't think you'd guess any of the others. <laughs> um, and how, I about, wouldn't have, how no. about we go with Berlin for the last one? No. And this is interesting about Germany, um, because it's actually the first in the list by quite a bit is Frankfurt. And Frankfurt is within Hessen, you know, the region that I just mentioned under regions. And I suspect, I suspect these numbers are skewed because, as far as I know, Frankfurt is a huge um, uh, interconnect. And I guess a lot of IP uh, yes. addresses yeah. get associated with that hub. 
I wasn't not because in Frankfurt, but... Frankfurt is not not a big city. You know, Berlin right. is quite a big, bit bigger. But um, I, I think this is this is just IPs getting you know, I guess data centers being you know hosting, being run there and and uh, stuff being run through Frankfurt, and then spoofing the numbers. I was going to suggest that maybe um, the, the number in Frankfurt was was uh, skewed by people uh, on layovers <laughs> on flights. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm not sure people work on Swift that much in the airport, but you know. <laughs> right, and then I think you had New York, you guessed. Right? I did. You've been through that. Yeah, London, second, New York, third, Mumbai, fourth, and Paris, fifth. Okay. So there you go. Interesting. I found those interesting. I found these really interesting how they break down. And obviously, um, big shout out to my home region. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've, you've left a, a, a computer um, refreshing the site at your uh, parents' house. It's, it's my server, <laughs> yes. yeah. I, I don't know how I'd generate uniques there, but, you know, I, I may have come up with a way. <laughs> um, so, actually, I, I just loaded up the, the uh, analytics as we were finishing talking up, uh, finishing up talking there. Um, and um, we had our, our biggest month, well, we've had our biggest month, for many, many months in a row now, um, but we've just had another uh, record month. The line continues to go up and to the right. Yeah, yeah, it's really great. It's really great to see the uptake um, and how all the all the numbers are ticking up every month. Really nice. Shall we do some package recommendations? Let's do it, yeah. How about you? Can you kick us off? No, you can kick us off this week. All right. I'll. The first one I mentioned is is perhaps not news for people listening because you mentioned it on, on ISF Weekly, but I didn't want to just not mention it because of that. Um, and you can probably guess by now what it is. It is solver string parsing. Uh, I really wanted to mention that. It's such a great package. Um, so what it does is it gives you a um, a way to parse parse things out of strings and you declare sort of the types you, you want to look for and, and how many there are. It's not quite regex, you know, it's, it's simpler than regex. It's sort of a layer above regex. And it's really interesting because obviously the regex package is now part of Swift 5.7, uh, right? This is That's not, right. Yep. yeah, yeah, it's going to, it's going to be out, I guess, like next week in, in final form. And this is sort of an easier approach to the whole thing. And probably most of what you need typically, right? You have a collection of strings and you want to pass out a date and and a number or you know a time and and a currency or something like that it's probably not something you want to use to pass out banking statements for official documents but you know yeah most of the time that's not actually what you need you need something that works in 99.9 cases and, and gives you good results and stable results and you know something you can work with but without having to implement a full spec of something and, and yeah, go on. Uh, and more importantly than that, I think I think the real beauty of this package is that um, if you do have like a very well defined set of data, this package is not like, like as you said, this package is not the way to do that. A regex is the way to do that because you've got very well defined sets of data, very well defined fields, that kind of thing. But the problem with regex is the way most people use them, and I include myself in in most people there, is that. Um, there's a whole load of edge cases on passing out dates and currencies and all these things. And from years, literally years of using Solver, I know that the underlying library that is Solver Core, which is the underlying library to it, is so good at getting that stuff right. And so yeah. like, I could write a date regex, but I'd probably get it wrong for some combination of dates. It wouldn't be the combination of date that I'd be testing with, but there'd be some date out yeah. there that would that my regex up. And you just don't have to worry about that. You just need to say, I need to find a date, please. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a huge, huge selling point for this library. It has 
this life of of being part of a successful app like Solver that is used for exactly that, and and you get all of that experience and that you know that battle testing into a yeah. in, in a package that you can use. And I understand the license terms are quite generous if you're you know just doing your own thing, or even if you're a small indie yeah app. Um, I think you just ask for some you know pretty much. I had a terms chat. and uh, yeah yeah I had yeah. a chat with Zach about this, um, who's the author of the of the package. And um, but the basic rule, the basic the basic gist of it was, if you're not making a solver clone, which obviously he doesn't want people taking this and making solver clones with it, um, yeah. and if you're not. Um, using it in a way that it's it's kind of really core to your product, he's probably going to say, "Well, just use it." Um, and if it's not a commercial product, you can use it freely. Yeah. Um, um, I think the other the other thing just to mention on this package um, is the set of data that it can um, recognize is more than we've just talked about, and it's more than I talked about in iOS Dev Weekly too. Um, it can also recognize, for example, um, I think it can recognize countries. It can definitely do currencies. Um, it can do um, yeah. uh, times and time zones uh, and convert uh, b- b- between times and time zones. Uh, I'm actually trying to find the list of stuff that it can do. Temperatures. Um, here we go. Percentages. Pitch. It can do. It can do music notation pitch. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, uh, airports. Uh, the three-digit airport codes. It can do. Um, it can do. Oh, interesting. It can do hex numbers and binary numbers with a zero X or a zero B. Um, so it's really quite um, quite flexible in what it can uh, in what it can uh, recognize. Yeah, yeah, really great set of supported things that that you can just can just use like that. Great, great package. So that's by Zach Cohen. Solver string parsing. Absolutely. Um, so my first one is uh, by somebody, Steve Harris, uh, and it's called Markup Editor. Um, and it's it's been in development for a, a year, um, but it, it's it's it feels still fairly young because of, of what, what it's, it's quite an ambitious, um, uh, quite an ambitious um, uh, package, as I understand it, and I haven't looked into it in super detail. Um, so roughly what this is, is a, what you see is what you get, um, text editor for, I think both man iOS or maybe just Mac OS. Um, a lot of times when you see people do what you see is what you get text editors, they're either a JavaScript editor embedded in a uh, web view or a completely custom core text, uh, based, um, um, view uh native view um, and what this is or at least what it appears to be is a hybrid between the two of them the rendering of the what you see is what you get output is rendered through a web view but the controls and all of the ui that you interact with is rendered as native uh controls and you and when you use those native controls it pokes uh, through JavaScript into the web view and sets the relevant bits of uh, formatting on the oh, underlying uh, text, which I thought was it's an, it's an approach I haven't seen before. Um, and so I thought that was worth uh, a mention. And certainly it looks very capable. It's got table support. It's got obviously lists and bolds and underlines and italics and that kind of stuff. But it's also got tables. Uh, it's got image support, uh, links, all sorts of stuff. So is that like common Markdown plus extensions then, or GitHub Markdown? What's what flavors sort of does it support? I don't think it's Markdown at all. Um, it's actually called Markup Editor. Oh, sorry. What? 
Oh, Mark yeah. See, I was looking for it. I couldn't find it. Oh, it's called see. Markup Editor. And Mark, it's, Mark, it's, there um, you go. it's yeah. actually, I don't think it is Markdown. I don't think Markdown gets involved. It is purely a what you see is what you get. Um, uh, right, uh, I see. Yeah. Okay. See, I, I tripped on the Mark and <laughs> autocompleted the rest. <laughs> so it's, but it does, it outputs HTML. Is the, that's the, uh, the output format. Right, uh, and that then gets rendered in that, yeah. in that view. Nice. I thought it was interesting, worth a mention. Cool. Um, I just see all the builds fail. We probably need to yes. check if, if that's our fault. <laughs> <laughs> right, my second pick is a package called Act by Martin Fundmeier. Um, and this is a really, really nice package. Um, that I could have used in a, or we could have used in a project a while back. It's it generates a acknowledgements view for your um, what is this called? iOS for sure, macOS as well. Um, you know the view when you're using packages and you have dependencies that by license requires acknowledgement in your in your app. This generates a screen uh, and a list, and you know the license code is copied in, so you can drill into the different packages to see what dependencies are. Um, really nice, you know the, the sort of thing. That's really tedious to set up and get going, and then to maintain, it does it all automatically. I'm, I'm just trying to see if it has a plugin as well to to drive that. No, no plugin, so you still have to do some setup at the moment. Yeah, there you go. You need to set up a run script target, but that's potentially something that could be um, uh, pulled out into a plugin at some point in order to to make that automatic on your build. The way it works, it writes out a plist um, processing your dependency tree, and then the plist gets um, used by the view to generate the, the table view and all that. Um, so that's that's a really nice and nice package to get rid of that. Just remind me of the, the name. That's ACGEN, A-C-K-G-E-N, by Martin Fundmeier. I mean, I think these kind of packages that do, the, the, there's a few of these. That the, There was one back in the Cocoa Bay, and I, th I think there's there's been some of these um uh for package manager as well um they are they save you a lot of time if you're if you're building a, a, a an app that uses some of these uh packages that require the attribution yeah. and all the rest of it it's it's a great uh, a great time saver yeah yeah absolutely um cool i do um, I, do you have one more I do, do we have yeah time? i do have uh, i do have one more but i i and i haven't I hadn't um, thought about this until I was just about to say it, but it's possible we've talked about this one before. <laughs> so if we have, uh, my apologies. Um, it's a package called Bag Bootic. Um, and I've closed the web page because I was about to say who it was by. There we go, Bag Boutic, uh, which is B-A-G-B-U-T-I-K. Uh, and it's by Morton Bjerg Gregerson. Um, and uh, it's effectively, it's a auto-generated package. So uh, it's a package for accessing the App Store Connect API. Um, and it's based on the open API spec that um, is published by Apple for that API. And so it's one of these packages which takes that open API spec and uses some code generation to generate you some Swift classes to, um, to access it um, without having to manually kind of pass all the uh the, the data structures with uh with codable and the nice thing about packages like this is that they are pretty much always up to date because you can run and in fact i believe uh this package does generate the api generate the package from a ci job um 
And so if the API nice. changes, the package changes. And then uh, I'm not sure how, I'm not sure whether releases are also automated, probably not. Um, but certainly, if I if I remember rightly, uh, because I think I linked to this in iOS Dev Weekly. Yes, in fact, I, I'm looking at the GitHub page for it now. And there is a an hourly job by the look of it <laughs> that checks for new <laughs> new API specs. <laughs> I have a feeling hourly maybe. Uh, overkill, but <laughs> <laughs> overestimating the rate of change on yeah. Apple's API. And then... <laughs> uh, but I thought I thought not only was it an interesting package, but an interesting technique for uh, for kind of package generation. Interesting, and I'm not sure if you mentioned that. that it says uh, official open API spec for the App Store Connect API. So this is not you know a reverse engineer. No, it's it's official API where you might have to worry about breakage. So this seems to be. Well, I guess you have to have to worry about breakage but at least it's <laughs> it's intended not to break yes um cool nice and, and while we're on that subject i think it's i think it's probably worth just talking about that api for a second because um for a very long time tools like Fastlane um were doing a lot of the stuff that that, API, that, that uh, app store connect api now allows um but they were doing it through scraping and they were doing it through kind of any any means to, to actually get the data submitted to App Store Connect. Um, and I think it's worth uh, acknowledging the fact that that this is now a not only a, 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 an API that exists, but an API that has been kept up to date. Um, and I think it's I think it's really good that you can now build tools off the back of App Store Connect. Yeah, that is great. Uh, all right. Do, um, shall we do one more? Shall I? I'm not sure who started. Uh, you started, um, but um, if you have another one, let's go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just briefly mention it. Um, I always got a, a backlog, but we've got to stop somewhere. Let's mention this one. Maybe it's it's XC test HTML report, um, which is not new, but I think it recently changed hands. So it's it seems to be like the you know maintenance is. It's assured. So what this does, it gives you Xcode-like HTML reports for your unit and UI tests. And, and this is really nice. If you look at the package page, it has a screenshot of what this looks like. It has a um, nice test summary, even shows you the hmm. um, screen grabs of, of failures um, in a on a web page. So you can plug this into your whatever your CI is and then have not have some nice views. Because especially if you build with Xcode, and we suffer from this so until we suffered a lot from this until recently when we used XCBeautify to prettify our Xcode outputs. Xcode is not is not easy on the eyes with its um, test output. Um, so stuff like this is really helpful to see what actually failed. You know, when you get a CI failure, the worst thing is if you if you have like Xcode send you um, a long long list of, of text and you can't even find what failed. And and these packages and, and tools are really nice to to guide you to quickly see what actually happened. Um, unfortunately, this requires Xcode build to run. Right. So this is not something we would be able to use in in our server side project because you know we well, we build locally on Xcode. Our CI runs on Linux, um, but you know there's still a lot of apps that can use it um, with with Xcode build. So yeah, really nice way of of getting something nice for your tests um, if you're not using Xcode um, Cloud or, or 
another service that does something like that. Certainly, I would recommend uh, just opening up the package page. So just to repeat the name, it's XC Test HTML Report, uh, because the reports that it generates are very pretty. And it looks like if you are running heels through them, it also matches up the screenshots with the tests and all the rest of it. So I, I can see yeah. this being a, a huge benefit if you're on an iOS app, which most people, of course, are. Yeah. Yeah, really nice for that. Cool. Great. I guess that rounds it off, doesn't it? Fantastic. And uh, look at that, 44 minutes passed, so we're bang on time this week, although I believe we started a couple of minutes Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. We'll have all the links in the show notes, which we will publish shortly after this. And um, I guess that's it. And we'll, we'll see everyone in two we'll weeks. Do another one. So that will be on the... Um, it will be on the 15th of September. And of course, by then, we'll all uh, have brand new phones. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see about that. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening, everybody. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.